Well, welcome to Palm Sunday. Let me start off like this. Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen and amen. I love Palm Sunday. I'll just confess it to you. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, I just love the freshness of the palms. We usually have kids involved in the service on this day. No matter what the weather is like, it is officially spring, which makes me happy because spring is my most favorite season of them all. I love, love Palm Sunday. I grew up going to church with a tradition that celebrated Palm Sunday. Who else celebrated Palm Sunday growing up? I'm just curious. Let's see. There's no half-hearted yes or no's here. Yes, this is yes. Okay, cool. All right. Well, then, good. Let's see how much you remember. We're going to take a little test here this morning, a little quiz. And because we are all about truth here at Peace, this will be a simple, true or false Palm Sunday quiz for you guys. You guys ready? Apparently not. (laughs) All right, here we go. True or false? As Jesus entered Palm Sunday, he knew that he was going to be crucified by the end of the week. True or false? True. Jesus was intimately aware of exactly what was going to happen as he entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. Matthew chapter 20, verses 7 and 19, Jesus says, And as they were going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, that was a term that Jesus often used for himself, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, that means the Romans, deliver over to the Romans to be mocked, And flogged, flogged was a form of horrendous torture, to be mocked and flogged and crucified. Does it end there? No. That's a comma, not a period. That's exactly right. Thank God for that. You can just come up and do the rest. Okay. That was awesome, sweetheart. That was exactly right. Thanks be to God, it's a comma and not a period, right? And he will be raised on the third day. Amen. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen, his death and his resurrection. All right, true or false? True or false? Palm Sunday comes from the story known as the triumphal entry. True or false? It is true. It is true. Uh, In our passage that we're looking at today, we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. That starts on Matthew chapter 21. Even though Jesus knew within a matter of days the city would turn on him and kill him, he was welcomed into Jerusalem as a hero, as a triumphant hero, to fanfare and applause. It was the triumphal entry as Jesus was entering what would be the culmination of his life and mission. True or false? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a white steed named Maximus. (laughs) False. What did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on? A donkey. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is uh, well known if you were were part of church. I want to read to you a section of this scripture. It says, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey. Untie them and bring them to me. Later on, it goes on to say that they brought the donkey and the colt and put Put on them their cloaks, and he, Jesus, sat on them. 
What's in the middle of this passage is that Jesus tells them to go do this because this is a fulfillment of prophecy. It's not written up here, but verse 4 says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, meaning, um, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humbled and mounted on a donkey, a colt, a foal, a beast of burden. So, true or false? Yes, Jesus rode into Jerusalem, not on a white steed named Maximus, but on a donkey, humble, humble. True or false? The palm branches and the triumphal entry are mentioned in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. True or false? Oh, there's some debate here. So, I'll just give you some grace. It's a little bit of a trick question. I think that's why we're stumbling up. Maybe. It's technically false. The triumphal entry is mentioned in all four Gospels, but Luke doesn't speak anything about the palms. So the, the triumphal entry, so important, all four Gospels, but not. Uh, uh, Luke doesn't mention the, the palms. Matthew, our passage today that says, though, that they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he, Jesus, sat on them. And then most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. So Jesus was welcomed in to an array of of people laying out their jackets as a sign of honor and waving palm branches before him. So true or false? True or false? As Jesus enters Jerusalem, he was called Hosanna because the word Hosanna is Hebrew for happy hippie. (laughs) It's false, yeah. It's false. Hosanna is actually an interesting word. We don't know exactly, we don't really know exactly the full evolution of it, uh, but it's tied to the word. It was basically an exclamation. It was like a way just to shout out like praise or salvation or he saves or save us. Something about salvation. Either way, it was a shout of praise. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So now that we know a little bit about Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry, that Jesus was welcomed as a king, but he himself knew by the end of the week the crowd was going to turn on him and kill him. They welcomed him as a, as a, as a, as a savior, palm branches, this parade. Now that we know a little bit about the triumphal entry into, in, in, into Jerusalem, I want to take a step back and look at what happens just before the events of Palm Sunday. We're going to um, look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 21 is the triumphal entry. But before we get there, uh, let's just do one more true or false. One more true or false. As Jesus enters the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, kind of a package deal, he has just come from his hometown of Nazareth. True or false? False. That one's false. Jesus and company's last major stop before going to Jerusalem for Passover was the city of Jericho. Who was with us last week when Pastor, with, uh, with Pastor Travis when he preached on the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus? That story happened in Jericho. That, has happened, that story happened right before what we're going to be talking about today. They're coming out of Jericho, and we're going to find ourselves in Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 to 33 today, if you want to turn there. 
So as they leave Jericho, what you need to know is that Jericho was down by the Jordan River in the Jordan River Valley, but Jerusalem, where they were going, was elevated above the valley in the mountains and the hills of Judea. So when the Bible says that Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, they were actually going up. They were actually climbing elevation. But as, as Jesus leaves Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, I want to take a look at some, a little story that happens. And mind you, as we read this story, Jesus is intimately, in, in a very detailed way, aware of what is about to happen to him. So would you hear the word of the Lord on this Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 to 33. As they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let's pray, and we'll continue. Let's pray. Father God, on this Palm Sunday, we thank you, Lord, that the King has arrived, that our Savior has come, that he has lived and died, and he has rose again. And so, Lord, I pray on this day that you'd send your Holy Spirit, that we might know your word more fully in order that we might know you more fully. And we pray these things in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And all of God's people said, Amen and amen. I want you to imagine for a moment that you have to go in for surgery. And this is a profoundly important surgery. This is such a critical surgery. The doctors actually tell you that this surgery is so, it's going to be such a difficult surgery, you only have a 50-50% chance of surviving the surgery. Now, that day comes and you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders because you're going into a surgery and there's only a 50% chance you're coming out of it. And so you, they, they sit you in a wheelchair and they're wheeling you towards the operating room and you see those double doors kind of just flapping. And you know there's only a 50% chance you're coming back out of those doors. And as you get closer to those doors, a kid runs up to you and he's got a pad of, pad of paper and a pencil. And he says to you, hey, will you help me with my common core math problem? Now, I don't know about you, but this is how I would respond. Kid, I don't even know how to do common core math. I'm a little distracted right now. Let me focus on what's before me. Leave me alone. Now listen, Jesus was going to Jerusalem not with a 50-50% chance of surviving but with a 100% chance of dying. He's going to what will be the culmination of his entire life and mission. And as he's walking there on his own death march to the city that's going to kill him, focused on that city, he's been focused on it his entire life, these two beggars cry out to him and he stops for them. He stops for them. Two people that the world would rather discard and, and forget. And they call out for him, and he stops for these two beggars. We won't even stop for beggars on our way to Menards. 
And Jesus is on his way to his death, and he stops. And the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. And so this story of these poor, dusty, rejected, needy, blind beggars, this story actually shows us a lot about faith in Jesus and about Jesus himself. So let's go back to our text, and let's walk through it together. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 20. Let's look at verses 29 and 30. As they went out of Jericho, again, Jesus, his disciples, his entire crew, as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. First thing I want you guys to see here this morning is this. The truly faithful will not be silent. The truly faithful will not be silent. They cried out, Lord, Lord. They honored him as the authority of their lives. Have mercy on us. They knew that he was gracious, that he was merciful. They knew that he had the power to save, that he was merciful. Have mercy on us, son of David. Here they're acknowledging Jesus' kingship, that he's the coming king. They're acknowledging this because he is a descendant of King David. And even when a great crowd was there, even when a great crowd was all there, these men cry out to Jesus. Why? Because those who are truly faithful will not stay silent. Why? Listen to me. Because their faith in Jesus was greater than their fear of the crowd. And so they cried out. They didn't care who heard that is a challenge that we all need to hear and respond to. What these blind beggars show us is that those who are truly faithful will not be silent. I wonder, is there anybody here who is willing to cry out, Jesus is Lord? You're my favorite one in here, okay? <laughs> Listen to me. There is no safer place to say those words than in this room right here, right now. If you won't say it here, I wonder, will you ever say it? Who is willing to say Jesus is Lord? Jesus. Preach. Preach. Church, let me tell you, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time for the church to speak up, it's right now. It is the time we are in. It's often noted, and I'm sure many of you probably agree with this, that the silent majority is watching the world be shaped by the vocal minority. Meaning, the direction of our world and our culture is dictated by a smaller group who is willing to speak up. Imagine if every Christian was willing to speak up. And then imagine if every Christian was willing to go to bat for those who have spoken up. And we all with one voice would speak up and cry out what the world needs to know is that Jesus is Lord. Because I'll say this, even before taking a stand on certain cultural issues, I want to know if you've cried out to Jesus. Before cultural issues, and we'll get to those in due time, but I want to know, have you cried out to Jesus? Because the truly faithful, those who are truly faithful will not be silent about him, about Jesus. They cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. But then look 
what happens in the very next verse. If, if, this, if, these, if this passage shows us that those who are truly faithful will not be silent, the next verse tells us that those who are truly faithful will not be silenced. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. Rebuke just means they told them to, to go away, to, to stop what they're doing. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They show us that the truly faithful will not be silenced. Even when the world tries to shut you down, that's when we speak up all the more. I tell you right now, you bring Jesus into a conversation and you'll see the world want to shut that conversation down real fast. But that's when the church speaks all the more. I know, I know there is so much that we want to speak up about in the world. I know that there is so much that we, that we want to speak out against in this world. And let's just call a spade a spade. Right? The more that common sense and simply pointing out reality, the more that those two things are just categorized as hate speech, the more the world is going to try and silence you when you talk about Jesus. And so hear me. I'm not saying to remain silent, not at all. But at the end of the day, the change that will matter most is Jesus Christ changing hearts. That is the change the world needs to have. My friends, listen to me. You have a finite amount of words you will speak in your life. At the end of your day, you will only have spoken a certain amount of words. So consider carefully what you choose to say and when you choose to say it. Make your words count. Make them about truth, the gospel, about faith, about pointing people to something better, pointing people to Christ. And when we do speak, those words need to be Christ-centered, God-honoring, thoughtful, grace-filled, true, strong, but listen to me, also in love. The Bible tells us, that if we speak and we don't speak in love, then our words are just a clanging symbol and the world's not really going to hear what we have to say if we don't speak in love because all they're going to hear is a loud noise coming out of our mouth. So here's what I'd say to you. If you can't find it in your heart to speak from a place of love, maybe that's a conversation you shouldn't be a part of. Let someone else do it. Because I guarantee there are Christians in the world who are willing to stand up and speak in love even if the world doesn't like what we have to say. The time to speak up is now. So church, let me ask you, when was the last time you spoke words about Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you, when was the last time you spoke out against abortion? I'm not asking you, when, when was the last time you tried to correct somebody when they say men can have babies? I'm saying, when was the last time in a crowded space you spoke the name Jesus, even if someone might overhear you? The truly faithful will not remain silent, and the truly faithful will not be silenced. And for some of us in here, some of us watching online, some of us listening later on a podcast, it's time for us to live a life where the world wants to silence you. For some of you, the devil doesn't see you as a threat because you don't pray, you don't speak truth. Maybe like the crowd, you're following Jesus, but you're very happy just blending in, even though I guarantee you're probably not happy with how the world is turning out. 
And all the while, Christians have got the message of the gospel and God's love in our heart, the message that will change the world, but we're keeping it in our heart instead of bringing it out of our mouth. Listen, I'm not saying that you have to sit on the roadside like a couple beggars screaming out, Jesus is Lord. I mean, it'd sure be cool if you did. I'm saying, when was the last time you've just shared your testimony? You just broke the ice, had the awkward initial conversation and say, can I tell you about why I believe in Jesus? Or maybe just ask someone to pray for them and then right there, even if it's in public, pray for them. If the world is going to hate us, if the world is going to hate us for our message, then the devil might as well is also see us as a threat because we will not stay silent and we will not be silenced. The crowd rebuked them, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us. When you cry out to Jesus, I'm here to tell you, the world will rebuke you. They will try to shut that down. They will not like that post on Facebook, okay? The world will rebuke you, but if you cry this out, I guarantee you, I promise you, Jesus will receive you. He will receive those words. And so let's get to verse 32. Enter Jesus into this story. They cried out all the more, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, and stopping, Jesus called, called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and they followed him. The next thing I want you to see here is this. The truly faithful will be seen. You will be seen. Jesus sees you. In a world where we do get lost in the crowd, in a world where we are looked over for those who are more pretty and popular, in a world where the world only wants to focus on those who are rich and famous, in a world where the vocal minority drowns out everything else. Hear me on this. For those who cry out to Jesus, he sees you. In your loneliness, in your brokenness, when the world has rejected and forgotten you, when you cry out to Jesus, he sees you. In fact, he stops what he's doing and he focuses on you. I think what we see here is a Jesus who's willing to serve This is our Jesus. He cries out. He says, what do you want me to do for you? So I want you just to imagine this for a second. They're leaving Jericho, and there's a big crowd with him. And Jesus has got the weight of the world on his shoulders because he's staring a city down that's going to welcome him like a hero, but they're going to kill him like a criminal in a matter of days. He knows this is happening. He leaves this city, focusing, he's walking, got this big entourage, hustle and bustle, and these two people cry out to him. Now, I just imagine that it's probably a little bit louder. He's walking with this crowd. There's like, you know, just murmuring and talking going on. And through the noise, he hears these two people cry out and he stops. He calls out to him. He stops. and He's like, hey, what's up, guys? What can I do for you? He calls out to him, them. So what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, on his own death march, he stops and he makes time to serve. The passage that we're looking at today is Matthew chapter 20. It starts at verse 29. But if you go back one verse earlier to Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says this, speaking in third person about himself. Again, here we go. Son of man, 
The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, even in the moment, stops and serves. He doesn't just say it, he lives it. How many promises does your politicians make on the campaign trail that they don't deliver once they get into office? But yet we see Jesus throughout his entire life constantly making promises and declarations that he turns around and fulfills immediately. Jesus didn't come to be served, he came to serve. He says this and then four verses later, on his way to his own death, he stops and makes time makes time for two blind beggars, and he says, how can I serve you? You see, because Jesus didn't just give up his life, he gives us his time. Men, men in the house, grandfathers, husbands, fathers, I know, I know you would lay down your life for your family. I have no doubt that if a shooter walked in here, you would throw your body as a human shield in front of your family. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt that you would give your life for your family. My question for you is, will you give them your time? When you're busy and you're working on something, will you stop and give them your time? Ladies, ladies in the house, listen to me. Don't give your heart to a man who promises his love if he doesn't also give you his time. Jesus stops and gives us his time. We follow a Savior who gave up his life, who gives up his time. I'm telling you right now, my friends, you put Jesus up against Muhammad and the Buddha, and I'm choosing Jesus all the live long day, and this is why. Because he gives up his life, he gives up his time. And through this Palm Sunday message, we've seen three things. That those who are truly faithful will not be silent. Those who are truly faithful will not be silenced. And those who are truly faithful will be seen. There's so much that I love about this story of these two blind beggars. But I think the last three words of our passage just speak, speak volumes. See, Jesus sees them. He heals them. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. They didn't just say thank you and then go live on their own merry, go on their own merry way. They didn't say thank you and just go and live their life however they wanted. When they encountered the Jesus they cried out to, they followed him. So let's do one last true or false. Those who have truly put their faith in Jesus will follow him. True. See, the reality is, is we don't know what happened to those two beggars afterwards. We just know that they followed Jesus. But we do know what happened to Jesus. See, Jesus enters Jerusalem upon a makeshift parade where he is just celebrated. But I wonder, I wonder, what did the disciples think about this? Because remember what Jesus had just told them. He, remember what he just, just had said. He was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, again, meaning the Romans, to be mocked, humiliated, tortured, and then crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. I wonder what the disciples thought. They're watching Jesus go and this, all this big fanfare and all this big parade. I wonder if they sat there and thought, yeah, 
I know what you people are going to do. I wonder what the disciples think, but I also wonder what Jesus thought. I mean, he's the one that knows this is going to happen. He's the one that said it was going to happen. He's walking and he sees all this fanfare and this, and this shouts of praise. I mean, I, I'm, I would ask you, like if you knew someone in a moment later was going to turn around and stab you in the back, how well would you receive their compliment in that moment? And yet Jesus welcomes it. Jesus knows what's going to happen and he goes anyway. He goes anyway. Do you want to know why? Because the truth is that Jesus Christ is the only one who is truly faithful. We will always fall short. Jesus is the one who is truly faithful. And he is why we cannot stay silent. He is why we cannot be silenced. Because we have a Savior who looked upon the cross and who also looks upon us and sees us. Palm Palm Sunday shows us a Jesus who knew what was to come. He knew he would be celebrated and he knew he would be crucified. But he also knew that wasn't the end of the story. He also knew that he was going to be raised from the dead. Palm Sunday's here. And so let these two blind men show you how to stay faithful to the one who is truly forever faithful to us. Palm Sunday's here, but Easter is coming. Amen. Would you please stand with me?